This episode may contain language which some listeners might find objectionable. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, welcome to So To Be Clear. Formerly five minutes of funk, but five minutes just ain't gonna get it. This is Tim. So today, a great friend of mine sent me this article about um, what it's like to love a narcissist, right? Um, it hits pretty close to home for this friend. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about that, except just to say that it does hit a little bit close to home. But the thing about the article. It was an article written by a writer by the name of uh, Colleen Sheehy Orme, right? And uh, O-R-M-E is how you spell the last name. And she wrote it talking about her ordeal with marrying a man who started out being this really great guy. And once they were married, he revealed himself to be a classic narcissist. Where it, it basically gave a kind of a, a layperson's definition as a as as an actual disorder within which people are unable incapable of having empathy for anyone else you know long long-winded way of saying that this is someone whose needs and actions and words are all about their own individual needs whatever those might be and everything is secondary the people around them the world around them family friends Everything is second to what that person's, the narcissist's immediate needs are. And the article was, 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 was fairly general in the way that it was talking about the young lady's ordeal with, with her husband about how, and, and how much of her own grief was really the fulcrum of, of, of that narcissism, of, about that dysfunctional relationship, right? It wasn't so much about the person who she recognized as the narcissist, but her inability to break away from it purely by virtue of feeling like she was doing the right thing by sticking it out. You know, I mean, at face value, it was, hey, listen, we're in this thing together. And, and the narcissist thing was, listen, I, I don't know what to tell you, you know, but it, it was it, it, it kind of comes across that way. Right. And while the article was you know, particularly moving in its own way, I found it to be somewhat general because it glossed over a really salient part of being in relationships with bona fide narcissists, okay? We're going to talk about what what that is in a moment, N and not so much about the narcissist, but more about the connection that we have with them, you know? And one of the areas that, you know, those of us who have been unlucky enough to love narcissists before, you know, what it really says is a lot about us. It creates a, a, a powerful conundrum for us where, you know, the conventional wisdom in relationships is, you know, you do the right thing, you commit, you know, things like, you know, we regale ourselves with, with words like commitment and, and dedication and hard work and all this other kind of stuff and, and acceptance of people or who they are. And that fuels much of our reluctance to leave a narcissist. I mean, how do you leave? 
how do you leave when you actually give a shit and your narcissist partner really couldn't care less? The part that I found particularly compelling that I gleaned from the article today was that says a lot about us and how we connect to that narcissist or that 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 dysfunctional situation. But it's not entirely our fault. You know, I mean, strangely enough, there was a follow on article that it, there was a link in this same website. I can't remember the name of the web website. I think it was called Your Tango or something like that. Right. And there was this other part about a about the this this person who described herself as a self-aware narcissist, which, you know, I'm not even sure if such a thing actually exists when you're talking about a bona fide disorder. Right. But the second article, more or less as a piggyback on that first one, talked about how. There's a thin line between narcissism and self-awareness. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that, that, that really that, that general gloss over of the disorder of narcissism versus someone who may just be self-centered. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to do a deep dive into, in comparing those, those disorders and, and the dysfunctional behaviors therein, but I want to talk about how it impacts us and why. Something to be clear about. So when looking at the mechanisms that language may use to try to persuade you to believe a certain thing, right? So if you read or listen to language, um, the process of rhetoric is meant to persuade you to think or to feel a certain way by whatever it is you're hearing or you're reading. And with that, there is a tool in analyzing rhetoric and in, in, in looking at rhetorical strategy that asks a very simple question. And I've talked about this before. There's a tool, a very powerful tool in rhetorical strategy that asks the question, so what? Right? If you are looking at a particular topic, and then that and then that article or, or whatever kind of writing it might be will insert a random fact in there may or may not be random. And I don't necessarily want to judge it, you know, just anything that just may just 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 be a, a, a particular idea thrown into a larger text that's trying to tell you something. It is an absolute valid strategy to ask. So what? So what? If you are trying to teach me about how to bake a cake, but then you have a blurb in there about how many calories are in sugar, so what? Why does that matter? Why does that piece of, of this text matter to me? Now, when you're baking a cake and you're talking about the calories and sugar, then, yeah, you know, you, you, know, you, you can make that argument that it's important to know you know, in that article about making a cake, that there's a shit ton of calories and sugar and, and that kind of thing, right? But guess what? In that instance, the so what, it, it has been positively answered. Oh, well, we're telling you this because if your ass got diabetes or something like that, or as they say, diabetes, then it's probably a good idea for you to be aware that there's a lot of sugar, a lot of calories in, in, in the sugar that's going to go into this cake. So what? Is, is, is the question to ask. Why is this important? Okay. 
Now, the so what, when looking at the news, and I realize that over the last few years, there's been a lot of um, negative spin placed on news and and you get you get that those other people out there talking about mainstream media, fake news and all this other crap. Right. But when you're looking at the conveyance of information. Rhetorical strategy can be a very powerful tool or a trap. What do I mean by that? Right. Now, last weekend, the quarterback for the Washington football team, and I refuse to call them by the new name of that, that you know, they used to be the 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 Washington Redskins, then they changed it to something else, which is really stupid. So I'm just going to go ahead and call them the Washington football team. Uh, their first-round draft pick by the name of Dwayne Haskins died last weekend. He was struck by a vehicle in Florida while he was in off-season training, and he was killed. 24 years old, uh, first-round draft pick, and, and it's a really tragic thing. I won't go too much about how tragic it was, but I will go a little bit into... Uh, some of the news articles about his passing, right? Now, there's been a few more details, I guess, that came out about the fact that he was he was struck on a highway by a truck, and the actual reasons why he was out in the middle of a highway, well, crossing a highway, no one knows where he was going as far as I know. But the articles that talked about his dying were in line with a lot of articles that come out about tragic things that happen to people in sports and, and probably in, in, in other fields as well. But we're going to pick on sports today. And you could ask the so what about some of the shit that goes into those articles talking about a famous person dying. And you could ask so what and be like, yeah, what the hell does that have to do with anything, right? Let's pick on on on, on Dwayne Haskins dying, right? Now, he died. He didn't die of a drug overdose or anything like that. He was struck by a vehicle, right? And in just about every article that initially talked about his, 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 his dying, right, there was always a reference to something about his sports career that didn't exactly seem germane to the fact that he was killed, right? So they would talk about the d the scant details that were available about him being being struck by a vehicle and, and, and dying at the scene. But then later on in there in the paragraph, they would say something to the effect that after a, a standout 2018 season at Ohio State University, he was selected 15th overall by the Washington football team. He played in 16 games with a quarterback rating of 29, where the league average was about 63.5. He threw 12 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Damn, y'all. I mean. I thought the man was dead. Why are you giving us this rundown about his football stats? You know, the fact that he was a first-round draft pick and all this other stuff. What? So what? Why are you telling me? So what? You're telling me about his stats, the fact that he was a first-round draft pick. So what? Now, the so what, as I see it, in talking about a person's stats or, or, or these extraneous things that don't seem to really be germane to a person getting killed, the so what is meant to establish a connection between the reader who more than likely is a sports fan, not necessarily 
a, a fan of the Washington football team or specifically of Dwayne Haskins, but a football fan in general. And by rattling off these seemingly superfluous facts about their playing careers, right, the so what, I- as I see it, is pulling you back to a connection with that person's occupation, which is the real reason why you're probably reading that article in the first place. Outside of the tragic nature of, of a young man being, you know, being killed, the connection, the emotional and intellectual connection is the so what. By talking about these, what, what, what looks at the surface to be innocuous stuff, especially compared to the tragedy of a death. The so what is meant to connect you to that entire scenario. That's it. You know, that emotional and intellectual connection is not unlike a whole bunch of stuff that happens. You know, I mean, and and, and I've been talking about this for the last few weeks in, in different capacities, but, you know, one of the things that I that I think about is, you know, you ever got into an, uh, an argument over music with someone? You ever have a friend or a significant other or whoever that'll say, I don't like R&B, right? I don't like this particular music that they know that you're a fan of, right? I mean, <laughs> initially you could ask, so what, right? But those types of discussions are never just about a difference of opinion. Never. Never. You never see, I'll never forget, my daughter had an argument with an ex of hers, and they would get into these knockdown, drag-out arguments about their differences in music, you know? And it's and at face value, it seems superfluous, right? There's that word again. It seems sort of, uh, uh, sort of trivial and trite. Why are you two fools up here having this knockdown drag out argument about the fact that one of y'all don't like Drake? Right? It becomes, I don't like that music. So what? Okay, there we go again. So what, right? It's the connection that a person has with this music, okay? Music, for example, it's never about just a particular type of music that you just happen to like but rather our relationship with music and and i'm not just talking about americans either i mean there are a number of different cultures and nationalities and what have you that have a really intimate connection with music right think about a song that you listen to it's evocative of so much things so much memories and and people and places and and it becomes this immediate connection that you have with an aspect of your life that's far beyond just a taste in music. The music is the connection. And to sit there and disrespect that connection is re... It, you know, saying that you don't like somebody's pref- preferred type of music is tantamount to disrespecting a segment of their identity. Right? And I've talked about this before, where... That connection is powerful. That connection 
is an analog. That connection that had you have to music is an analog to the type of connection that the so what asks in an article uh, like well, about Dwayne Haskins about him dying and connecting you back to the fact that you're a sports fan by going through that talking about his stats and his quarterback ratings and the number of touchdowns and interceptions he threw. Establishing that connection emotionally and intellectually is at the fulcrum of how we see ourselves in addition to how we see these people around us, whether we know them or not, if we're exposed to them, it's how we see them and how we see ourselves in a context of those people that we follow. What do I mean by that? Just got finished talking about the way that uh, Will Smith and Jada and, and Jada Pinkett Smith just brings out the ire in people, right? Just thinking about, and I'm not going to go through a deep dive of all that crap that, that's been going on with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith over the last few weeks. But what I will say is at the outset of those two lovely, dynamic, successful people getting together and starting a family, black folks deified their relationship. Two gregarious and, and attractive people who were on the come up. I mean, they, they were they, they were seen as, as as wildly popular at the time. And what black communities did was we assigned an emotional value to watching them. Uh, we, 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 we aspired our relationships to be like Will and Jada right up until the point that they revealed themselves to be very flawed people. And instead of us seeing them, you know, those are very flawed people. No, no, no. Now we are calling for one to leave the other one to save his or her image. I mean, it, and, and, and that's not even about them. Now, my faults with them, I've, I've roundly documented in, in this very lovely podcast, right? I'm not going to go into it again. But what I will say is that the 180 that ensued from our love and affection for Will and Jada's young love has morphed into, God damn it, these two are toxic together and really need to go their separate ways to save they bacon, right? That was about us. That was about the way that we, we, we assigned a value to how we saw their relationship and how it related to what we aspired to, what we saw, wanted to see in our own relationships. It's all about us. That's the so what. The so what becomes how we are able to aspire to what we want and whether or not we can attain that. And if we can, hey, all good. If we can't, guess what? They're the worst people on earth. It becomes all about us, right? That is that is analogous and, and applicable to so many scenarios that we consume as sentient beings, okay? We could talk about it with sports. We could talk about it with famous people's relationships and, and all kinds of stuff. It becomes all about what we assign to those folks, those entities, versus how we see ourselves. And here's the shocker. 
That is not uncommon when taking it back to that article earlier today about the narcissism, right? Now, full disclosure. A number of years ago, I was in a relationship with someone who really had a lot of anger management issues. She was, you know, lots of crap going on in her life. And, and I won't go into too much detail about it. And boy, she just really was just mad at the world, right? And I felt like I was being a good steward to her anger. Primarily because, you know, I was was in a pretty decent place in my own life at the time, but really and truly felt like the right thing to do was to give them some leeway to be mad. Right. And. Admittedly, there was a difference between just giving a person room to vent. Right up until the point where I started becoming the object of the anger. And even though I saw the train wreck coming, I, I, there were so many instances where I was able to say, say, whoa, 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 whoa. We, you know, this this whole anger thing is starting to hit a little close to home. It's not a, just this empirical frustration with the fact that her life wasn't going well. It was, you know, your problem is blank. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute. But you know what? I didn't take any action. I didn't take any action to course correct that because I really and truly thought I was doing the right thing. I thought that the honorable thing would be to shoulder the weight of that anger and that venom, right? And bear in mind, it wasn't anything violent and it wasn't what I would necessarily call abusive, but it was definitely a, a negative. It was definitely... One, it was tense when it at some point. It wasn't just limited to, you know, God damn it, I hate this job, and, and then just keep it moving. It was, you know, your problem is blank. And for the longest time, I thought I was doing the right thing by taking it, right? That I, I would I wouldn't dream of implying that that was a simple decision, nor would I compare my decision in how I approach that relationship, compare that to a person in a relationship with a bona fide narcissist, right? Those are two very different dynamics that don't lend themselves to much comparison, at least not much good comparison. But what I will compare is this notion of shouldering the weight in the face of a lot of toxicity for the greater good of feeling like you're doing the right thing. You're doing the best thing, knowing deep down that it's not, right? And, and, and that is comparable. That, that whole dynamic is comparable to, a, to so many different aspects of our life, lives, as I said before. You know, there are people mad at Tiger Woods because he didn't do well in the Masters this, this past weekend. And that's not about Tiger Woods. That's about how we see Tiger Woods and our expectation of him to do well. That's, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins passing away and people taking the time to point out that he was not a really good pro quarterback at all. That's not about 
the career of a man whose life was cut short at 24. That's about our expectations of what we think a world-class athlete ought to perform. It wasn't about will and, and, and the entanglement stuff with Jada Pinkett Smith. It was about us putting ourselves in both of their positions saying, ooh, that feels like that's going to, that would suck. And assigning an emotional value to that. The takeaway from this is in being in dysfunctional relationships, which dysfunctional is so strong, and that's not entirely fair because relationships are not perfect. They're rarely perfect. But the place to start is with the so what. Ask the so what. Why are you telling me that uh, you don't like salt in your grits? So what? Well, because I have hypertension. Well, because I don't like the taste of salt. And if they can't, and if people cannot answer those types of questions, they cannot answer the so what with a level head, with a measure of, of, of actually uh, uh, um, declaratively telling you what the so what is, that's a problem. Okay, Tiger Woods didn't win this weekend. So what? Well, you know, I think he should win. Okay, and what does that have to do with you? Yeah, I kind of see your point. But if it becomes, you know, you know, Dwayne Haskins uh, had a low quarterback rating, you know, even though he's dead. So what? Well, you know, I got nothing. There needs to be <laughs> the asking the so what is such a powerful mechanism to be able to get to the root of an awful lot of unexplainable drama is really what it comes down to. And I, for one, plan on doing that a lot in the coming years, more than I already have done, mind you. <laughs> Probably a little too much so. So, to be clear, there's always a good reason to hate narcissists. But let's not go around acting like one by making stuff necessarily all about us. Sometimes people just do imperfect things, and a healthy so what can always, almost always put us on the right track to understanding stuff better. Not about what's going on around us, but about ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, this has been so. To be clear, check out the Twitter feed at 5M of F1 for your recommendations, suggestions, bitches, moans, and gripes. I'll talk to you again in a few days. So until the next time, be good. <laughs>